Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is 10.21 p.m. Central Time. 10.21 p.m. Central Time, meaning we're just a maybe about an hour and a half, a little over an hour and a half away from ending our summer of 2023 study of the book of Jeremiah. It has been three months of study, of reading. I've given homework. I've given assignments. There have been sermons. There have been podcasts. Some of them have been good. Some of them have been bad. I've mispronounced names more, probably more than I would like to admit. I have done it, but I've done everything in my power. I have pleaded. I have begged. I think I've even offered money for you to read the book of Jeremiah. At the very least, I've begged and pleaded with you to read Jeremiah 29 to 33 and find all of the I wills. I told you that there were 15 I wills in Jeremiah 31. I t- we talked about Jeremiah 29, 11, and then all the other things we've talked about in Jeremiah. Look this up, look this up. And and I, I mean, there has been so much to try to get you in the book of Jeremiah. And now time is up, ladies and gentlemen, time is up within about an hour and a half. It's over. It's over. So I wanted to do two more broadcasts. I wanted to do two more before midnight I, I could try to break these down, but I, I think maybe we just, I don't know, we just keep talking until I'm done. But we will finish before midnight. We will finish before midnight. Because if I go over midnight, well then, see, that that really, would that would be defeat the whole purpose of the whole kind of marathon that we've done to end by midnight. So, and technically, we've already finished the book of Jeremiah. We've covered everything, I think. We've gone backwards. We've we've done so much. Um now we're just kind of doing extra and extra and extra. And hopefully, I'm hoping, I'm hoping someone has benefited from it. I hope someone has found it helpful. Someone out there has found it beneficial. I've done everything I can do. I, I will say this and I, and I, and I, and I will stand by this. Well over 64, 65, 66 hours, probably close to 70 hours because many of these programs go well over an hour, probably close to 70 hours of teaching on the book of Jeremiah in a three-month period. No church is going to pull that off. No seminary is going to pull that off. And there's not a lot of podcasts doing that as as well. You may think others are better, and that's okay. But I I think, I hope the content has been beneficial. So here we are. We're hours away. So I guess I need to give us the correct introduction, right? So good evening, everyone. It is Thursday, August the 31st, 2023. It is now 1024 p.m. Central Time. And I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And I have to ask you a very important question. When you hear the word trust, when you hear the word trust, what comes into your mind in 2023? The word trust, what comes into your mind? Now, if we look up trust in a dictionary, and in fact, I did so right here on my iPad, uh, I have one here. Dictionary, one, one from dictionary, and it has trust. And here are some of the definitions. Here we go. 
I got Merriam-Webster above it, but here's just dictionary definitions from Oxford, Oxford languages. All right, here we go. Trust. Firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. They have, they have it another way here. Belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of. Uh, Merriam-Webster has it this way. Firm belief in the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. A person or thing in which confidence is placed. Trust. The word trust. What comes to your mind when you hear the word trust in 2023? What comes to my mind when I hear the word trust? I'm like, well, that's an archaic idea that people in the past used to trust things. But in 2023, no one trusts anything. No, it's no longer what we trust. People seem to have a lack of trust in almost anything. It is crazy. People don't trust the election. Oh, the election was stolen. Why? Because their candidate didn't win. They don't trust the news. If they don't like the news, it's fake news. They don't trust the medical community. No, they're lying. It's all a grand conspiracy. They don't believe, they don't trust, if doctors say you should do that, nope, don't trust that, don't trust that. We don't trust the medical community. We don't trust the news. We don't trust the elections. We, we, there's a lack of trust built into our culture in 2023. We just don't trust anything. We don't trust. Now, I don't know if it's a lack of trust or it's a, it's an exaltation of self as the ultimate authority. Like, which is it? Do you believe our issue in 2023 is a lack of trust? Or do you think we have, what has really happened is the reason we don't trust anything is because now we perceive ourselves as the most knowledgeable, the most informed, and that we are the source of authority and we are the source of truth. Now, some people say, well, we've lost trust in our institutions because the institutions are not trustworthy. We've lost trust in this because they're not trustworthy. And maybe there's some element of truth to that. But what I see is more like, if I don't like it, I don't trust it. And my belief, my authority is right. I don't trust it because I disagree with it. I mean, that's the, that's the go-to thing now. I mean, we see that all the time. If someone states a fact... It can be something maybe about the election, something about medicine, something about the climate. It doesn't matter what it is. And you come along and go, well, wait a minute. Here's this study and here's this study and here's this stuff. No, no, I don't trust any of that. Fake news, fake news. Oh, okay. So, so the only information that is right is information that agrees with you and any other information is fraudulent. The information you agree with is trustworthy. All the other information isn't trustworthy. See, I don't know. Is it a, I don't think it's so much of a lack of trust as more as like we have made ourselves God and now we are the bastion of all truth and all knowledge. And, and this has been going on really within the church, I think, for a long time. Doesn't, ma- doesn't matter who the pastor is. Doesn't matter what they say. If you disagree, you're, they're wrong. And you, you are just become, you now are right. You don't even have to do the study. You just are right. But there is, there is a lack of trust 
in this entire situation. The, the word trust, I want you to really, what comes to mind in the word trust? I just see the lack of trust permeating society. And I think part of the reason nobody trusts anything is because we've exalted ourselves as the ultimate, like, we are right. Now, if you think about the book of Jeremiah, you can see a little bit of this playing out in the book of Jeremiah, right? God sends Jeremiah to preach his word to the people and the people don't trust it. The people won't receive it. The people won't believe it. Now, you could argue, well, wait a minute. They may have good reasons not to trust it, right? I mean, who's Jeremiah? We've got prophets. We've got priests. We, 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 why, why believe Jeremiah? But they don't trust it. Now, maybe they don't trust it because I don't like what they hear. Maybe it's the same thing. No, 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 no. I don't like it. It has to be wrong. I don't like it. It has to be. If the doctor says something I don't like, it has to be wrong. It has to be wrong. And, and I'll find someone somewhere who'll say what I want to hear. And then I will trust that. If all you do is run around and only trust what you already agree with, then really it's not about trusting anything because you now become the source of all truth and the source of all reality. So I don't know where, where we are in 2023, but I think the concept of trust is one that we should give much thought because I think we're in a time, we're in an era where nobody trusts anything. Trust no one. Now, that's one thing to say you trust no one. But if then if you turn around and trusting yourself, what makes yourself trustworthy? Why did you become the source of all truth? How do you know? Trust. Now, as we get close to ending the book of Jeremiah, I have open in front of me Bible study guide that sparked all of this, that gave me the idea for the study. Anyway, the Explore the Bible Personal Study Guide, Summer 2023. We have not really followed this in lots of ways. We've used some of it. We've skipped around. We're, we're kind of go back. We're using a little bit of it. But I have it open to session 11, right? Session 11, next to the last one. And at the top, it says session 11. And then it has a picture. You can't see the person's face. But you can, well, you can kind of see the person's face, but it's kind of blocked off by the little blue bar on, on the top that says a section or session 11. But you can clearly tell it's a doctor. They're wearing a white coat. They got the, steth- steth- the stethoscope. They've got their pen writing on a, um, it, it doesn't look like a prescription pad. Maybe just taking notes, writing out notes. Uh, it looks like someone, they're talking to someone, all right? So it looks like a doctor in some kind of a medical setting writing something, all right? And then underneath that, it says trustworthy. Now, I don't know if they chose the picture because they think most people trust doctors or they took the picture because nobody trusts the medical community anymore about any. I don't know why they pick it, but that's the picture they picked. And then they have this. Are you ready? They have the word trustworthy. There's the word trustworthy. The word trust. Remember the word trust? Firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Trustworthy. Now, underneath that, they have this phrase. God's people must never trust their own understanding 
over God's commands. Now, you, you, you have to know, if you've been listening to the Theology Central podcast for any length of time, there's no way we're going to go out in a normal way. There's no way we're going to bring this study to an end in the normal way, right? You just know. There, there may be some sense of normalcy here before we're done, but you know I'm going to have to raise some serious questions because this statement sounds so good, right? You could write this down and you could walk around to everyone in your church and they would say amen to it. God's people must never trust their own understanding over God's commands. Or you could put it this way. God's people must never trust their own understanding over God's word. And everybody would be like, amen. I trust in God's word. I trust in God's word. Not my understanding, but God's word. So when people argue with me, I don't listen to them because I listen to God's word. I don't rely on my own understanding. That sounds so good. It sounds so pious. It sounds so spiritual, but it's totally meaningless. You know why? You're using your own understanding to understand God's word. See, they say God's people must never trust their own understanding over God's commandments. That sounds good, but how do you understand God's commandments? How do you understand his word? Through your own understanding. And you can't say, no, 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 no. People will say, no, it's not our understanding. We compare scripture with scripture. Well, if it was so simple, then after 2,000 years of church history, we should, I don't know, agree on baptism, the Lord's Supper, church structure, salvation, the word repentance. I could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And we don't agree on anything. Now, I, I do think we have an issue with trust, but when it comes to God's word, when we take this concept of trust, do you trust in God's word? We all say amen. Should we not rely and trust in God's word over our own understanding? Everyone should say amen. The only problem is my, what I say God's word says is based off my understanding of what God's word says. This is why I say all the time, and I know Christians get mad, and I know Christians get defensive, but I, I but when it comes down to it, I know we want to say God's word is the authority, but in reality, we make ourselves the authority because so many times it's our understanding of God's word that we base things on. We base truth on our understanding of God's word. We base right and wrong on our understanding of God's word. And what we have a tendency to do is our understanding of God's word is right Everyone else's understanding is wrong, and we will go so far to say, my understanding is right, and that pastor over there is not trustworthy because his understanding is different than my understanding, and my understanding is right, therefore he is wrong, and I'm going to go to a different church. So, I... Trust. We live in a day and age of nobody trusts anything. I think that's... I think we can agree on that. We don't have trust on anything. I think it's because there's a lack of trust because we exalt self as the ultimate authority. And we, and we're only going to trust what we want and what we agree with and what we think. 
And I think in a roundabout way, that's been going on for 2,000 years, or especially since the Protestant Reformation. Remember, throughout church history, there was a time the church supposedly had the authority. They had the authority to interpret. They had the authority to say what was right and wrong. They had authority to issue what was a dogma you must believe, and you would be anathema if you weren't. But at some point during the Protestant Reformation, the dam was kicked the dam burst, the dam broke. And now we say, no, no, no. The Protestant Reformation established God's word as the authority in theory, but in practice, it's my understanding of God's word. That's the authority. And then I take my understanding of it and say, you're wrong. 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 And I'm right. So God's people must never trust their own understanding over God's word. I think that's true. The problem is, don't we do it all the time? Now, it's very difficult then to say, okay, okay, I got to get my, I got to get my understanding out of the way. I got to, I got to do everything I can to remove self from this entire process of learning God's word. I got to try to learn God's word and remove self from the equation. It's impossible because you're still the one interpreting it. And a lot of people say, well, what's the solution? All, uh, look, there's never going to be a perfect solution. All you can do is try as hard as you can to, ev- first of all, never rely on past understanding and present study. Whatever you learn in the past has to be forgotten when you study the word in the present. If we ever study Jeremiah again, I will not rely on one thing I learned in this study. It will be all, everything in this study would be thrown out completely and we would start over brand new. Like it's a brand new, like I've never studied the book before. Because if I got something wrong this time, if I bring it into the next time, I'll just carry on the error. So that's what, first we got to throw out all the presuppositions and we got to get rid of allegiance to a team, to a systematic system, to a theological system. We got to stop that. I don't go to the text worrying about whether it's going to agree with the Reformed world or the non-Reformed world, with the ah mill, with the dispensational, with covenant theology. I don't care about the teams. We got to say, hey, because if not, guess what? We're trusting in our own understanding. The concept is good. Hey, 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 hey. God's people must never trust their own understanding over God's commands. I don't want to trust my own understanding over God's commands. We do so. And we can see in Jeremiah, there's the people, You can, are they trusting in their own understanding? Or are they trusting in their own understanding simply because they don't like what they hear? Therefore, they're really, it's not about trust. It's about they themselves now become the authority. Now, let's see what they have to do here with this, all right? Now, we're in Jeremiah. They want us to look at Jeremiah 42, all right? Now, um, we may what we may do is just, we may just start reading through this chapter. I, I always start deviating immediately from the study guide because the study guides always skip so much, but we will at least put some of this in concept and, and context and see. I mean, we're, we've got just a little over an hour left. So let's, let's just really try to drive this point home. I know it's going to end in a way you're like, but wait a minute. So what can I trust? Well, we need to trust in God's word, but we have to just realize how we so 
cloud this up and mess this up, all right? So again, God's people must never trust their own understanding over God's commands, okay? Then they have this. Most of us visit a doctor when we want medical advice. We consult a professional regarding our health issues to receive an accurate diagnosis and a plan for recovery. Sadly, many people today do not consult God's word to guide them as they make important life decisions. They say they believe the Bible is the word of God, but their decisions don't reflect what they say. All right. Now, I think most people today, well, we people don't trust anything. But I think that's the thing. People don't trust anything. They trust themselves. I think what we really see, you can say we're, we're in an age where nobody trusts something. I think we're in an age where everyone has made themselves God. Everyone else has made themselves the authority. And it says, what do you think causes a disconnect between people's verbal affirmation of the Bible as God's word and their failure to follow God's commands? Now, let's make it very clear. Sometimes the failure to follow God's command has nothing to do with them believing the Bible is the word of God. It's because we have a sinful nature that will never follow God's command. So let's just get that out of the way. Once again, the study guide seems to constantly imply that we can just obey God. We cannot. We will always fall short. We are not saved by an infused righteousness, by an imputed righteousness, all right? You got to constantly correct that. Now, they want us to understand the context of chapter 40 through 45, but I don't want to go there because if we follow that, it's going to distract us from this idea of trustworthy and trust and, 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 you know, God's people must never trust their own understanding over God's commands and how we, well, we understand God's word through our understanding. So, all right. So then they come here. All right. Now, I'm going to read chapter 40. Uh, I'm going to read chapter 42 here. Chapter, uh, I'm sorry. That's weird. They jumped to 45 for some reason here. I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip that. And we're going to just go down to chapter 42. All right. They got a little paragraph here about chapter 45. But uh, see, I don't, I don't want them to lead us off course here. We're going to stay 42. Now, they want us to jump down to verse 7, and I understand sometimes they want us to jump to verse 7 to, to get away maybe with some things that may be difficult, but you know what? Uh, let's just face, face what we have in front of us here. So here we go. Chapter 42, verse 1. Then all the captains of the forces and Johananan, or yeah, Johananan, 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 that's how I'm going to say it, Johananan the son of Korea, and Jezaniah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least even unto the greatest came near. So we have Johananan, the son of Korea, and Jezaniah, the son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least even unto the greatest came near. And they said unto Jeremiah the prophet, let we beseech thee, our supplication be accepted before thee, and pray for us unto the Lord thy God, even for all this remnant, for we are left but a few of many, as thine eyes do behold us. So here's some people, there's a few, there's like a remnant of people, and they come to Jeremiah saying, pray for us. They're going to Jeremiah. Okay, do they, is it because they trust Jeremiah? Do they see him as the spiritual authority? Are they going to listen to him? Are they saying, hey, we're going to set aside our feelings, our desire, and our understanding, and we're going to listen to someone of spiritual authority? Now, in our day and age, 
No one really does that because they think themselves as the spiritual authority. Or we would say, no, no, what we should do is listen to God's word. Everyone says that. But again, are we really listening to God's word? Or are we listening to ourselves? But well, let's see what happens here. All right. Um, then let's go to verse three. Then the Lord, uh, that the Lord thy God may show us the way wherein we may walk and the things that we may do. Hey, we're coming to you so that you can pray so that God can show us what we are to do because we want to do it. Now this seems they have the, they seem to have the right attitude. Hey, we're setting aside our thoughts, our feelings, our desire. We want to hear from God. Verse four. Then Jeremiah, the prophet said unto them, I have heard you. Behold, I will pray unto the Lord, your God, according to your words. And it shall come to pass that whatsoever things the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it unto you. I will keep nothing back from you. Now I know this. If we as Christians, remember this whole statement, God's people must never trust their own understanding over God's commands. If we're even going to get close to that, the one thing we have to have is we have to hear all of God's word. We should have, we should uh, look at everything from Genesis to Revelation, every single part of it, because we can't understand any of God's word until we have an understanding of all of it. Because without an understanding of all of it, we can be misinterpreting part of it because the part cannot be interpreted apart from the whole. That's why you've got to dedicate your life to learning all because you can't interpret the part without the knowledge of it all. And this is sometimes as a pastor, what drives me absolutely crazy is when someone wants to argue with you and say, you're wrong. And you say, okay, well then they never want to talk about it. They never want to stu- They just immediately declare you're wrong. Just like their own authority. You're wrong. I mean, this happened here, even in my, our study of Jeremiah. I don't know if it was something I said in Jeremiah, but you know, I received the message that that's it. We're not, I'm deleting the app. We're not listening to you anymore. And you're like, okay. Because supposedly I said something wrong. Because, But hey, hey, th- because their understanding is the right understanding. But the thing is, are they basing it off a knowledge of all of Scripture? Or just what? Like, what, what is it based off of? It's amazing how dogmatic and certain some people can be as if we know it all. But I just know this. You have to base whatever you do understand. We have to hear all of it. We have to hear all of it. Even the parts we don't like. But immediately when we hear things we don't like, we try to modify it. We try to change it. We try to do, we play little games with it. And look, don't blame the people outside of the church. We've been doing it inside the church for 2,000 years. But Jeremiah's like, I'm not going to keep nothing back. And guess what? As a preacher, as a pastor, as a, as a Christian podcaster, you can't hold anything back. You got to preach all of it. You got to teach all of it. And if people get mad and people get offended, then they get offended. Here we go. Verse five. Then they said to Jeremiah, the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. If we do not, even according to all the things for the which the Lord thy God shall uh, say, read this again, right? King James, Jeremiah 42, five. Then they said to Jeremiah, the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us. If we do not even according to all things for which the Lord thy God shall send thee to us, whether it be good or whether it be evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send thee, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. Now, this is common 
even in the Old Testament where they say, we will do it. We will obey. We will follow. We will listen. Now, the problem is, those are our words. The depraved nature, no matter how much you say you will obey, the depraved nature laughs at you because the depraved nature is like, you're never going to obey it. You never will. And just remember, we never can obey God's law before salvation or even after salvation. We always fall short. Christians don't seem to ever get this, but we have a tendency to talk a big game. I've seen Christians do this all the time. Preach to me. The, I want to learn, study the Bible. I want to dig in. I want to look at the questions. I want to struggle with the text. And then you, you struggle with the text and you ask these questions and you do this and you put forth theological hypotheses and you challenge this and you challenge that. And then the people are like, shut up. I don't want anything. To, you're done. I'm deleting your app. I'm never listening to you again. Oh, wow. I, I thought you wanted to really study. Uh, you wanted to study until you heard me say something you disagree with. So then who's understanding? Is it God's word or is it your understanding? See, is it really ever, is it ever really God's word? Is it just our understanding? But hey, they sound good. They they talk. These are the kinds of people you're like, well, that's right. Come on, come to my church because you're committed. You're going to listen and you want to obey. Come on in. It, it sounds good, right? <laughs> Here we go. Verse seven. And it came to pass after 10 days that the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah. Then called he Johananan, Johananan, right? The son of Korea and all the captains of the forces which were with him and all the people from the least even to the greatest. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto whom ye sent me to present your supplication before him. If you will still abide in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down and I will plant you and not pluck you up. For I repent uh, for I repent me of the evil that I have done unto you. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon, of whom ye are afraid. Be not afraid of him, saith the Lord, for I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. And I will show mercies unto you that he may have mercy upon you and cause you to return to your own land. But if you say we will not dwell in this land, neither obey the voice of the Lord your God, saying no, but we will go into the land of Egypt where we shall see no war nor hear the sound of the trumpet nor have hunger of bread and there will we dwell. And now therefore hear the word of the Lord, ye remnant of Judah. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, if you wholly set your faces to enter into Egypt and to go to sojourn sojourn there, then it shall come to pass that the sword which you feared shall overtake you there in the land of Egypt and the famine whereof you were afraid shall follow close after you there in the Egypt and there ye shall die. This is such a reoccurring theme. We've talked about it so many times and what a powerful way to try to move closer and closer to the end of this study. Over and over in Jeremiah, the people of God are told, listen, the Babylonians are coming to get you. They're going to drag you off into captivity. You're going to be there 70 years. Finally, the, the length of the time is stated. It takes a while for the length of the time is stated. But judgment is coming. You've done this. You've done this. You do evil. You do evil. Judgment is coming. And here's what you're supposed to do. Don't stay here in the city. Don't look for help from anywhere else. Just go out and surrender 
to the enemy. In this case, stay where you are. Don't fight. Don't try to escape. Stay. Surrender. Submit. Submit to a pagan authority. Submit to an ungodly king. Submit to an ungodly nation. Submit to rules and laws that you may not like. Submit. And guess what? The people struggle with this over. They don't like the message. Now there's God's word. It seems clear. It seems straightforward. But over and over, when we hear God's word and we don't like what it says, now, we say we're not relying on our own understanding. We will say, no, 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 I'm relying on God's word. So we just will change it. I've talked about it a million times. I know it sounds like a digital file that's stuck on repeat. Okay. I know that's what it sounds like, but I cannot repeat it enough. And we watched it take place in the American church. The world was facing a pandemic. There were rules. It's a novel coronavirus, meaning they don't know everything about it. That means there's going to be decisions made. There's going to be ideas that may prove not to be as accurate as they first thought because it's a novel coronavirus. See, it's one thing to sit on the couch with a bag of Doritos and a Coke with your feet kicked up going, yeah, this is not right. This is not right. No. no. And like, you know, versus being right there in the trenches trying to go, we got this coronavirus. What do we do? How deadly is it? How fast can this spread? What are the ramifications? What do we do? How do we stop the spread? Can we stop the spread? What are our options? And trying to formulate an actual plan that's going to affect actual people, you know, from trying to keep them from living. But guess what? We just sat back like, no, 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 no. And then the church was like, we're not going to follow this. And we're not going to do this. And we're not going to do this. And we're not going to obey. And but, But before all of that started, it was very common that people would read Romans 13. I'm like, man, we're supposed to submit to the government because whatever government is in charge, it's from God. And to resist it is to resist God. Right? Well, all of a sudden we're like, nope, no. Now to resist means godliness. And to go along with it, your salvation is called into question. You're a coward. You're woke. You're liberal. You're not godly. It's so weird how it parallels what would have happened in Jeremiah's day. No, go out there and give up. No, no, Jeremiah, how dare you? You're not a patriot. We're going to fight for this country. We're going to stand. We're going to resist. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, go out there or you're going to die. Here he says, stay. If you go, God tells him, you're going to die. But see, that's weak. See, our own. how many times does our own understanding impact the word of God? And then all of a sudden, what did I see? Sermon after sermon, where Romans 13 is now being preached in a way that I never heard it before. Basically, Romans 13 is only in effect if the king, if the rulers are good. If the ruler, if I deem and judge that the rulers are bad, I don't have to obey. Well, wait a minute. The Bible seems to be written to ta- over every time it's telling someone to submit. It's always an ungodly government in charge. Paul writing, ungodly government in charge. Peter writing, an ungodly government in charge. Jeremiah writing, an ungodly government in charge. See, th- this is a practical way where you could be like, well, what, what, what can I do? What can I, I don't know what to do here. These rules, I don't know if I agree with these rules. Okay, well, wait, what does the Bible tell me to do? Well, the Bible gives us very specific things that you think if we just set aside our own understanding and go, what does scripture say? Well, scriptures tell me, first of all, to love people. 
So I got to do everything in my power to show that I'm showing love for other people and I'm putting other people before me. I know that there are times I am to give up my own rights for other people. These are just basic Christian things. I know that I am not to fall into conspiracy thinking and half-truths and bear false witness because the Bible says God hates lying lips and to speak the truth and put away lying. I know I'm not to bear false witness. I know this, that I'm supposed to love even my enemy. I know the Bible says over and over to submit. And you say, well, wait a minute. And Acts, they, they, when they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus, they, they resisted. Yeah, that was religious authority. That wasn't civil authority authority, but that's a whole different point. The point is, is what all of a sudden, nobody wanted to really think it through carefully. We just wanted to fight and we wanted to make a point. Why? We didn't like the message. You don't like the message? Then guess what? You change what God says because guess what you're doing? You're putting your understanding before God's word. Now we always do it. We're, 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 this is a never ending struggle. Whenever you think the word of God says something, you have to ask yourself, is that really what it says or is that your understanding of what it says? And I know it's like, how do I draw the distinction? You got to just ask yourself how much of yourself have your, have, are involved in this and how much is God's word dominating? Now, that's why what I tried to do at my church, and it never really, it never, it never fixed anything. It never fixed anything. But I would constantly say, instead of arguing with me, go do, and I would tell them what to look up. Go do, look this up. Go study this. Go, and come back after you've done the completed study. They wouldn't go do the completed study. And the argument was, well, what good would it do anyway? I don't know. You studied God's word. You think it would do some kind of good, right? I mean, you should want to study it. But I mean, here's the thing. If you go drown yourself in God's word, not books, like let's say you're mad because um, your church decides they don't go along with the Lordship salvation view of MacArthur. Well, if you get mad about that, don't go to run to books on Lordship salvation. Go to scripture and try to see what scriptures and how to understand the scriptures, whatever the issue may be. But what we do is we don't go run to the scriptures. We go, if you're an amillennialist and someone challenges amillennialism, you go get books written by amillennialists to defend the amillennial position. If someone is arguing with you about baptism, you go find books and articles that support your view of baptism. And then, and then you say, see, see, see. And all you're doing is quoting what someone else did. You did. You're actually using your own understanding to make an argument. We got to convince ourselves to get to the scriptures. And then we got to make sure that we're not twisting the scripture simply because we don't like what it says or because it could, it could be devastating. How is our church going to survive? Well, guess what? They could have said, wait, going to Babylon, how are we going to survive? How is my business going to survive? How is my farm going to survive? I can't do that. And God's like, you know what? You do it. You go, you submit. And we would have been like, no, 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 no. Because you're putting your own understanding. Do you trust God's word or do you trust your own understanding? He's like, you shall die. Verse 17, so shall it be with all the men that set their faces to go into Egypt, to sojourn there. They shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, and none of them shall remain or escape from the evil that I will bring upon them. God is emphatically clear. Don't go. Stay where you are. Now, humanly speaking, you'd be like, but Babylon is bad. He doesn't like us. Nebuchadnezzar is destroying everyone. And not just Nebuchadnezzar, if I remember correctly, 
if I if I go back to the context here, we have um, Nebu uh, Nebu Zaradan, right? Nebu Zaradan, because when the ba- when the Babylonians finally took Jerusalem, Nebu Zaradan, the captain of the guards, released Jeremiah from the chains that bound him up upon Nebuchadnezzar's orders. Okay, Nebu Zaradan is the captain of the guard. Okay, I always I want to make sure I, I've got that right. I just knew his name shows up somewhere. All right, so. That, that's how we kind of – that's kind of the historical setting that gets us set up here, right? Because these people are trying to figure out what to do and Jeremiah is not in prison anymore because remember he was in prison for a length of time. All right, so here we go. All right, now um, verse 18, Jeremiah forty-two eighteen. All right, Jeremiah forty-two eighteen. Here we go. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, as mine anger and my fury hath been poured forth upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so shall my fury be poured forth upon you when you shall enter into Egypt and you shall be an an excretion and an astonishment and a curse and a reproach and you shall see this place no more. Wow. That's some serious stuff. That's some serious stuff. That's some serious warnings. Verse 19, the Lord has said concerning you, O remnant of Judah, go ye not into Egypt. No, certainly I have admonished you this day, for ye disassembled in your hearts, for ye disassembled in your hearts when you sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, pray for us unto the Lord. Now, I'm going to do something. That's Jeremiah 42, 20. I'm going to do something here. Going to grab a different Bible. That's 4220. All right. I'm going to go back to verse 18, Jeremiah 42 18. For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says Just as my anger, my fury were poured out on Jerusalem's residents, so will my fury be poured out on you. If you go to Egypt, you will become an example for your cursing, scorn, and an execration and disgrace, and you will never see this place again. The Lord has spoken concerning you, remnant of Judah. Don't go to Egypt. Know for certain that I have warned you today. You have gone astray at the cost of your lives because you are the ones who sent me to the Lord your God saying, pray to the Lord our God on our behalf. As for all that the Lord our God says, tell us and we will act accordingly. For I have told you today, but you have not obeyed the Lord your God and everything he has sent me to tell you. Now, therefore, know for certain that by the sword, famine and plague, uh, you will die in the place where you desired to go to stay for a while. They won't listen. They won't trust the words. They won't trust. They seem to trust Jeremiah. See, they, they will listen until they won't listen. They will listen until they don't like what they hear. They will listen until they don't want it. And then they will ex- ex- exalt themselves as the authority. So I don't think... I, I am just convinced that so much of a lack of trust is more because we exalt ourselves as the all-knowing authority, that we know everything about everything. It doesn't matter. We know everything about medicine. We know everything about the law. We know everything about everything. You can't trust. Here's a concept. You can't trust anything else if you think you are the all-knowing one. 
Why would you trust anyone else when you think you're all knowing? Now, we never say that we're all knowing, but that's the way it basically is. When you, well, you don't trust anybody else when you think you're the source of all truth. Why would you listen to anybody else? The question is, when you decide you're not going to trust, when you're going to decide you're not going to listen, when, whenever, whenever you're dealing with God's, I, I, th- I guess we should say this. First of all, when it comes to God's word, I'll state it this way. Whenever you, when, whenever you come to an interpretation of God's word, you have to ask yourself, is that really God's word or is that your own understanding? Meaning, is that, is your understanding based off just your own feeling, your own understanding, your own little bit of study, or is it really based on all of God's word? All of it. You've really thought it out. You've considered every perspective. When I, when you don't trust other things, are you not trusting other things? Because you've got real proof that they're not trustworthy or simply because you think you're the source of all truth. See, it's, it's hard to see that. It's hard to admit that. Now, in chapter 43... And it came to pass that when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking unto all the people, all the words which the Lord their uh, all the words of the Lord their God, for which the Lord their God had sent him to to them, even all the words, then spake Azariah the son of Hashaiah, and Johanan the son of Kareah, and all the proud men. Please note all the proud men. All the proud men. So then spoke Azariah. The son of Hushaiah and Johananan, the son of Kareah, and all the proud men sing unto Jeremiah, Thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, Go not into Egypt to sojourn there. Immediately, we, see, we get an idea. They're proud. See, I tell you, the, I think the issue is our pride. The reason we don't trust him is because of pride. When you're filled with pride, you're not going to listen to anybody else. You're not going to trust anybody else because you're the source of everything. But uh, you're wrong. You spoke falsely. And, that, and, and Christians do that constantly. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Now, are, could they, could they be wrong? They could be. But you have to ask yourself, how much of you declaring they're wrong because one, of your own pride, two, because you just don't like what you're hearing. You just don't like it. It bothers you. And if you don't like it and it bothers you and that now is going to become the basis by which you reject a message, then I'm sorry, you're no longer operating as if God's word is the authority. You've made your feelings the authority. And remember this whole statement, God's people must never trust their own understanding over God's commands. This is a very important issue. They, they say you're, you're falsely. And then, but Barak, the son of Neriah, setteth thee on against us. Okay, all right, hang on. They, so they go on. 
Let me, let me go back and read all of this again, verse 2, because I'm jumping to verse 3. Let's 40, this is 43, 2. Then spake Azariah, the son of Hoshiah, and Johanan, the son of Korea, and all the proud men, saying unto Jeremiah, thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God hath, thou speakest falsely. The Lord our God hath not sent thee to say, go not into Egypt to sojourn there. But Barak, the son of Neriah, setteth thee on against us for to deliver us into the hands of the Chaldeans that they might put us to death and carry us away captives into Babylon. Hey, you, God didn't tell you that. You're, you just want us to submit. You just want us to submit to the, the new world order. You just want us to submit to the deep state. You just, whatever the words you want to use. So Jehananan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces and all the people obeyed not the voice of the Lord to dwell in the land of Judah. But Johananan, the son of Korea, and all the captains of the forces took all the remnant of Judah that were returned from all nations, whether they had been driven to dwell in the land of Judah, even men and women and children and the king's daughters and every person that Nebuzar Aden, remember I told you he was, he was going to show up somewhere. Here he is. Nebuzar Aden, the captain of the guard had left with Gadaliah, the son of Hahiakim, the son of Shaphan, and Jeremiah, the prophet, and Baruch, the son of Neriah. So they came into the land of Egypt, for they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Thus came they even to uh, Tophanes. Verse 8, Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah and Tophanes, saying, Take great stones in thy hand and hide them in the clay. And the Brooklyn, which is at the entry of Pharaoh's house, and Tophanes, and the site of the men of Judah, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will send and take Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will set his throne upon these stones that I have hid, and he shall spread his royal pavilion over them. And when he cometh, he shall smite the land of Egypt, and deliver such as for the death, a death to death. And such as for captivity to captivity, and such are for the sword for the sword. And I will kindle a fire in the house of the gods of Egypt, and he shall burn them and carry them away captives. And he shall array himself with the land of Egypt, a shepherd as a shepherd putteth on his garment, and he shall go forth from thence in peace. He shall break also the images of Beth Shemesh that is in the land of Egypt, and the house of the gods of the Egyptians shall he burn with fire. Hey, you, you win here? Well, guess what? The one you run from, Nebuchadnezzar, he's going to come here and he's going to take over and you're going to suffer and you're going to die, just as God said. Because why? When you resist the authority that God puts in place, you resist God. I don't know how the church lost this message in 20, over the last few years, but we've completely lost this message, completely lost it. We, we know, we now have established ourselves as the authority. We won't listen to anyone else. Everyone else is wrong. We are always right. And we say that we're relying on God's word, but I will argue that without really realizing it, we've slowly but surely taken our Bible and still says the Holy Bible. We still pretend that it has God's words in it, but in reality, it's just pages of our own understanding. Pages of our own thoughts, our own feelings, and our own emotions. And we're claiming that they're the words of God when really they're just our words and our thoughts.
I could read more here, but I mean, we went, we've already gone way beyond the, the study of the, the study guide. We've already, we've, we've already covered all of that. Now I could, I'm, I'm debating with myself here. Sorry for the, the, the dead air there. Sorry for the dramatic pause. I'm debating with myself. I could wrap this study up, boom, end it. And then I could come back in about 15 minutes and then go from 1130 and try to end at midnight. And I could. I could be like, I ended right at midnight. Yay. Pat myself on the back. Wasn't that glorious? I ended, I ended this, but, but that would just be for show. That would be more, that would more be more theater, right? That'd be more theater because I'm not going to get a lot more. I'm not going to get really another study accomplished in the next, you know, 30 minutes of any substance, right? So maybe we should just end really thinking this through here. Really struggling with this concept. We all want to we all want to say the word of God is the authority. My argument is that in theory, we really are the authority. That in reality, we stand over God's word. We stand in judgment of God's word. And what we think it means becomes the authority. Not the word, what we think it means becomes the authority. And then we then exercise as if we are a pope, after as if we are some council led by a pope, and then we offer up our dogmatic declarations, our dogmatic canons. And we say, you will believe this or you are anathema. You will believe this and you are anathema. You will believe this and you're anathema. And so much of Christianity, as much as we want to say it's God's word, it's really our own understanding at the expense of God's word. It's the, it's, it's the exaltation of our own understanding and our own wants and our own desires and our own thoughts above God. Yet while we pretend that it's about God, See, we put on a big show that it's really about God because we have, we can't throw God out, right? We can't throw God out because if we throw God out, then the only authority we have is ourselves. I can say, well, I'm right. And the other person can say, well, I'm right. And, and, and the other person can say, well, I'm right. Well, that's impossible, right? So guess for what, for us as Christians, we can say, no, 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 God is on my side. So therefore I'm right because you don't know the Bible. I read the Bible. You're wrong. You're a heretic. You're anathema. No, no, no. You're right. Everyone wants to use God. So we use God so that we can exalt. God is simply a means in which we exalt our own thoughts and our own feelings and our own desires so that we can tell everyone else that they're wrong. And all these people who thought they were right, they were all wrong. The priests were wrong. The prophets were wrong. The kings were wrong. The civil authority, the religious authority, the people, they were all wrong. They all got it wrong, but they would have all told you that they were right. And they would have told you that God was on their side. It's, it's virtually impossible to truly remove self from the whole process of God's word. It, it's, it's, it's virtually impossible, right? It's virtually impossible because we read it and we're reading, we're reading it. Our mind, 
is processing it. We're interpreting it. We're coming to conclusions. It's impossible to remove ourselves from it. it. We cannot do so because we are intimately involved. But the thing is, we've got to see ourselves in it. We got to see our hands. We got to see our fingerprints. And we got to be able to go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Am I, am I rejecting this simply because now we're in the middle of a global pandemic and I don't like the rules? Am I changing the rules now because I simply don't like the government that's in charge? Am I, am I doing this because it's more of my upbringing or more, more a part of where I'm from? Or am I doing it because it's God's word? Am I holding to this view because it's truly scripture or because it's, I, I, I feel more comfortable with it? See, if I go to the, if I go to the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, look, love your enemy, turn the other cheek, resist not evil, do good, bless them that would persecute you and that would use you. I mean, that sounds very pacifistic. That's like a pacifist. It's very pacifistic, right? There's no way to get around it. And if I preach that, people go, but, 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 no, no, come on, pastor. Come on now, pastor. You know that he's not saying, I mean, look, you know, in this situation, well, I, you know, if I have to, I'll kill someone. If I have to do, I'll shoot them. And, and, and they'll start making all the arguments for it, right? And you'll say, but wait a minute. I don't, does the scripture really teach that? And if you even just put forth the idea that maybe you're wrong, you're liberal. And like, no, I'm not, it's not about liberal. It's, I'm just saying, what, what do you think Christ is really teaching? Now I will argue he's putting forth a commandment because, and guess what? You should be able to say, I can't keep it because you can't. Because it got, he is showing you that to truly love God and truly love your neighbors yourself requires such action that you'll never come within a million miles of fulfilling it. That's why you're always in sin. That's why you have to rely on Christ's obedience to it. But still, it should be like, well, I don't know if I can support this idea, this idea, because the Bible seems to really, and now some will go, well, what about this scripture? I understand. So let's put it in context. But we should struggle with it. But what we have a tendency to do is we get our own understanding in it. And we just saw it with these people, these proud men. Hey, Jeremiah, we want to listen to you today. Hey, go inquire of God. Whatever he tells you, we'll do. Okay, after 10 days. Hey, guys, I've got the message. Here's the message. Stay here. Don't go to Egypt. And they're like, you are wrong. You are a liar. We're going to Egypt. Well, I thought you were going to listen to me. That you were, I thought the reason you were coming to this church is to hear me preach God's word until you don't like what I have to say. Then you're just going to go your own way. So you're going to go your own way. To me, the whole concept of church is all a facade anyway, because we go to these buildings, we spend all of this money, and you only go there and you only listen until you don't like it, and then you'll go somewhere else. You're the authority. And when no matter how much we want to say God's word is the authority, over and over and over, we insert ourselves and we are the authority. We should never allow our understanding to get in the way of God's commands. We should never allow our understanding to to rewrite and throw out God's word. I agree with that. But we have to just see how frequently this happens. And you've got to fight against it every single day. You've got to be willing to ask yourself, okay, I'm coming to this conclusion. How much of me is in my conclusion and how much of scripture is in my conclusion?
And I, and I can't, in some ways, Jeremiah just gives us the, a great picture. Like, what would you do if you lived in that day? Would you have listened, obey, submit to a pagan authority who's coming to get you? Actually leave your defense, leave your security, go out and surrender to them. Or would you have been like, no, we're going to fight. We're going to stand. We're going to fight. God's on our side. We're going to... And you would have said, Jeremiah's out of his mind. And guess who would have been wrong? I wonder how many times, how many things you think you're so right about and you're actually wrong. I wonder how many things I think I'm right about and I'm actually wrong. Now, I'm not saying that means you should say, well, then there's no truth and nobody can know the truth. I'm just saying the truth is, I believe the truth is right here in God's word. And I believe we have to hunger it and desire for it and read it. And we have to know the whole thing and we got to dedicate. But I think we also have to just try to honestly ask ourselves how much of ourselves have, how many, how many times have we really supplanted God's word with our own under, our own understanding, our own desire and our own feelings. And then God just becomes a weapon we use because who can argue with you if, if I, if, hey, you, you think I'm wrong. Doesn't matter what you think. God's on my side because I've read his book. And they're like, well, I don't care what you say. God's on my side because I've read his book. No, you didn't read it. No, you didn't read it. You didn't study it. No, you didn't study it. And we sound like a bunch of kids on the playground and everyone asserting that God is on their side. But maybe all of that is just us, 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 us. Jeremiah is an historical object lesson, first and foremost, of a nation under a system where they had to do the right thing to live, and if they did the wrong thing, they would die. And guess what? They failed, they failed, they failed, they failed. That's God's law. It says, do this, you'll live. Don't do this, you will die. Right? That's law. They live under that law. And they're an object lesson to you and me that no one can survive under God's law. Because if you put yourself under God's law, you have to obey all of it. You have to obey all of it perfectly. And if you're not obeying all of it perfectly, you are condemned. You deserve death. And if you break at one point of the law, you're guilty in all of it. We're all guilty of God's law. This is a picture of all of us under that system. Our only hope then is God must step in and go, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Just as he does for the nation of Israel, he, he's going to take care of them. God in, God sent his only son who I will, and he kept all of God's law for you. And your only hope is to is trust in his finished work. And by faith, his obedience and righteousness is imputed to you. So now all those rules of do's and don'ts, are fulfilled for you in Christ. And so therefore you now stand saved and secured, not in what you do. Don't look to what you do to even prove your salvation. Because if anything you look to say, well, here's 10 tests, here are 10 questions to prove whether I'm a Christian. Well, Christ fulfilled those 10 questions for you, so you pass. But if you look to yourself, you failed if those, law, if those questions come from God's law, because God's law would demand perfection. We see their failure, 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 their failure. But then we also see this whole thing play out where God's words being spoken and nobody will listen. 
because they are listening to themselves. Now, they believe God is on their side, but they're the ones in the wrong. And we have to ask ourselves, when are we in the wrong? Are we truly listening? Are we truly listening? Are we truly taking heed to it? Are we truly? Now, we know we never will, but are we actually at least, we never will obey it. We know that we're going to fall, but are we at least listening to it? Are we at least trying to get ourselves out of the way of it? We have to remove ourselves as much from it as possible so that we can see the unadulterated, unfiltered, uncensored word, whether it goes with our team or goes against our team, whether we like it and whether we don't like it. We got to stop just finding, hey, if, a, if, if someone says something we don't like, we immediately run off. And I'm going to go find the people who agree with me. You're just making yourself the authority. Why even listen to anybody? You obviously already have it all figured out. You say, well, no, I don't have it all figured out. Well, obviously you just reject anyone who disagrees with you. Well, I've done everything I can do. There's so much we have not covered in certain ways. I mean, in some ways we have covered it, in some ways we haven't. But I've done everything I can possibly do, humanly speaking, to try to get as much of Jeremiah into you as possible. I've pleaded with you to read it. I've begged you to study it. I've given you assignments. I've tried everything in my power. I don't know how much of the book is in you. I don't even know how much of you are going to remember it. But I just hope somewhere you'll remember the summer of 2023 where we took off on a crazy idea to cover an entire book in three months. It wasn't perfect. It never is. But we've definitely tried. And there's some powerful lessons in here. And hopefully you'll give them Serious thought. I, wa- I, I was going to try to summarize with some of the powerful lessons. And I've kind of given you some of them. But, uh, you know, for those who actually participated in the study, you take the time and I want you to just write down what you got from it. For those who didn't, I, you know, I'm sorry that you didn't. Thank you for doing as much as you did. Hopefully, whatever we do next, you can you can participate. But here's the thing. Whether it's Jeremiah, whatever it is, you really got to be spending as much time as you can in God's word in some way, shape, or form. Even if it's just listening to it. That's why the Bible apps. I can go to the, to the YouVersion Bible app and I can just go to Jeremiah and hit play. You can go to bed listening to it every night, be read to you. You can, when you're driving somewhere, you can just listen to it being read to you. While you're doing other duty, other responsibilities, you can be listening to it be read to you. You could have already, just think of how many times you could have listened to the book of Jeremiah be read to you in the last three months. I 
I, I, I kick myself over that. I could have done better. Probably if I would have done that more, probably wouldn't be messing up the names of, I don't even remember the names I messed up. Or I probably would say, not say them different ways. Johannanen, Johannanen. Um, let's see, what is it? Was it? Jez, I can't remember the other one. Ad, Adurel, I, don't, I can't remember. There's a bunch of them. Neb, Neba, uh, Neba Adnar or whatever it is. Uh, Igdalaya, Igdalila, I think is it, or Delia. Yeah, I can't remember all of them, right? I can't remember. I'm trying to remember all of them. There's so many. There's so many names. See, so you know, you know that I haven't even done that. Now, I've tried to read it, but even that, I didn't read it enough. But it's over. Praise God for what we got out of it. We can't look back and now go, man, I wish I could have, should have, would have. I can't. It's over. Now what we have to do is look forward to what's next. And hopefully what we do next will be beneficial. And we'll just keep trying as much as possible to produce things that are beneficial and helpful to people. Sometimes you get to the end of a study like this and you almost feel like Jeremiah. I mean, from a human perspective, of what value was any of all? Look, he preached for what, 30, 40 years? I think, was it 40 years? I can't remember the total length of his ministry. I should know that by now. It's 40. I believe it's over 40. Um, and guess what? No converts, really. Nobody listened. If he would have never shown up, the same thing would have happened. Like if you would never would have sent Jeremiah, who <laughs> wouldn't, nothing changed. He could have been sent somewhere else. Hey, Jeremiah, get on a ship, go here, kick back, rest for the rest of your life, relax, plenty of food, plenty of, just to relax. Go get a family. He, he didn't get a family. He didn't have a family, get, get, wasn't able to fall in love, re, remained alone to do what? To preach a message that nobody was going to listen to. And it wouldn't, didn't matter anyway, because they were going into the very captivity that he said they were going to go into. Seems like, uh, what's the point? But that's what God called him to do. I could say, well, what's the point? I produced 60-something hours on the book of Jeremiah. Did it really matter? I don't know if it really mattered. But I think there's something else we got to be cautious of. We can read the Word of God. And read it and study it. And sometimes we judge the value of it based on, oh, I've stopped sinning. Oh, I no longer have worry or doubt. Oh, I have peace and tranquility. Oh, now my life is perfect. That's the way it's sold within Christianity. You study God's word and boom, everything's perfect. No, it's not that way. We study God's word because it's God's word and it's a privilege and it's an honor and it is our spiritual food. But whether we see supposed a, a tangible benefit should not have any motivation or discouragement in us studying it. We study it because it's God's word and we're called to love it and to cherish it and to treasure it because it's God's word. And however it's working in our life, we may see it and we may not see it. It's irrelevant. We don't judge the effectiveness of it and what supposedly it's doing or not doing in us. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the summer 2023 study of the book of Jeremiah 
has now reached its conclusion. I don't know if you think it was worth it. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. Maybe it it's ending kind of with a whimper and not anything dramatic. But here we are. We have concluded. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for all of your time, focus, and work. Hopefully, it's been a good summer. You wake up tomorrow. It's September 1st, 2023. We now fast approach the end of another year. And all I can say is I think 2024 is going to be a mess of a year. I think it's going to be insanity is what I think is going to take place. I could be wrong, but we know this. No matter the circumstances around us, we grab onto God's promises because they are not affected by what we see. And we hold on to God's word. We try to lay ourselves aside to read it and to hold on to it. Hopefully, as you go into the end of this year, you'll remember something from the book of Jeremiah. Thanks for listening. And may God bless you as you hopefully spend a little bit of time meditating on his word.